Hello and welcome to Journey Through the DecaCast, a camaraderie retrospective through the lens of Decade, where I am Garrett. I'm Evan. And I don't have time to tell you who I am today because we're hitting the cold open really, really hard. Okay, so in this episode... No, yeah, yeah. I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm man, I, I, feel like I, I feel like I really missed the opportunity to talk about Morbius in the beginning before we started. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. Moving past. I don't need to I, hear about Morbius at all. Um, it's it's a perfectly fine movie. Garrett, stop doing no, this to me. No, no, I think people are too harsh on superhero movies and dumb fun. And you know what? That's incorrect. You're allowed to have dumb fun. So it's it's a dumb, it's a very, very stupid, fun superhero movie that cottons to the fact that superheroes are inherently ridiculous. Yeah, and you get to watch Matt Smith via Sexy Vampire, and it's kind of weird. Huh. Alright then. Okay, anyway, so Common Rider Blade. <laughs> um, also, I'm not having, going to argue with you about Also, this having this time. bat DNA gives you smoke powers from Infamous. And I don't know why. I'm, I'm not going to indulge you in this weird Mandela Effect universe you're in where, like, the Sony Spider-Man movies are fine, but Godzilla King of the Monsters is not the best movie ever. Godzilla King of the Monsters is not the best movie! I'm yeah, sorry! I've been ma- I'm sorry good. I've been Mandela affected into a universe where that sentence is not... where that sentence makes sense somehow, but um, we're, we're just gonna ignore it. I, I mean... It's fine. We, you're allowed to disagree with my opinions, but I'm sorry. King of the Monsters is not as good as everybody thinks it is. I, who thinks it's good other than me, apparently? I think it's fan-fucking-tastic. Okay, well, I'm glad at it. It's fucking amazing. It's great. It is exactly... My only complaint is that there's still too many humans in it. I mean, that was the problem with Kong, was that with uh, Kong versus Godzilla, was that the the human stuff in the first one, like, apparently people didn't like, so they cut all the interesting thematic stuff out of Kong. Well, no, Godzilla. the problem with Kong is that they gave Kong similar billing to Godzilla, which is fucking bullshit. <laughs> I mean, the problem with that movie is that movie is worse than King of the Monsters. I mean, it's not as good as King of the Monsters, but, you know, it's fine. I don't even think that was that good. You know what? The Becca Godzilla shit? It was bad. No, no. Mechagodzilla kicks ass. Mechagodzilla is never bad. He's Mechagodzilla. I don't know. I bad. watched. I watched Godzilla vs. Kong. Was wasn't a strong outing. You are the weirdest person ever, Garrett. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Anyway, we're not doing this again. We're talking about Common Rider. I mean, really, we'll do whatever. It's it's our show. We'll run it into the ground if we want. Fuck it. We'll do it live. That we are doing it live. So we do it live every week. Actually, do yeah. It is recorded live before people hear it. That is the nature of linear time. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyway, we we started Blade this week. Blade's pretty neat. Yeah. So far, it has a very strong, at least in my opinion, has a very strong opening. Like, these first two episodes are interesting. We get right into the action. We get a good look at our three primary writers. I really want to know what's going on with this world. I'm a little unclear on what the emotional stakes are for the characters, honestly. Yeah, but like, uh, there is the thing the setting where... setting is interesting. 
there's the thing where like the show really just starts running and it starts running by not wanting to give any backstory. It's just like, this is happening. Deal with it. We're going. Stuff is going on. We're going. Right. Just deal I with mean, it. I mean, As... Blade has like a mental breakdown in episode two. <laughs> yes, he, he gets horrifically betrayed for apparently the dozenth time or so. He says this happens to him all the time. Which I'm like, which... should should we know that? Maybe that should have been an a aspect of his character arc. But anyway. So the show Anywho. opens with Kamen Rider... Uh, he, he's the diamond suit. What is his actual common writer name? I didn't know. Uh, Gurren is what you're looking up. But before that, uh, Blade is the 2004-2005 show. And I don't remember the other thing I was going to say with that. Oh, the episodes that we watched were the Indigo Rider and the Mysterious Rider. And right. for the Indigo part, he's definitely more blue than Indigo. Like, Indigo, I think, like GameCube, and he's not GameCube colored. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's blue. Wait, which character is supposed to be the Indigo Rider? Blade. He's not blue. He's not Indigo he's, either. He's definitely blue. Is he? I thought I was reading that as black. I mean, <laughs> let let me get you like a better picture, so you, so I so you have a chance to like reform that answer. I uh, I mean, like the parts on his outfit that aren't silver, they definitely were reading as black to me, but I. Are they blue? I'm pretty sure. Well, the show wants you to think it's indigo. I think it's blue. Okay. Um... No, no, I, I, I wouldn't catch you an image. Oh, okay. I mean, that definitely looks pretty black to me. But yeah. no, 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 no. Chalice is black. Okay. I mean, whatever. It's fine. It looks no. like silver and black to me. But if it's supposed to be blue, okay. Shit, is Chalice green? Chalice might actually be green. I changed my mind on that one. It's like a forest green. None of this really matters. <laughs> the Indigo Rider is apparently Common Rider Blade. Uh, he is very clearly themed after the spade suit in a deck of playing cards. Ha yeah, spoilers. Uh, they like playing cards this season. So, yeah, they ha they each have they seem to each have a full deck of cards. I I don't think they're actually filled in. I believe like the because they capture the they like seal the undead as they defeat them, and then they become cards. So I feel like they have some of them, and then the rest get filled in. Wouldn't it make sense for each of them to have a 13, 13 cards? Each of them have each a, a suit. Yeah, each of them have like a suit of cards, but like they yeah. They're not all filled in, like, you. some of them are sealed, I believe. They should start with an ace and then get the other numbers. Well, the, uh, the ace is the is the change card, which allows the transformation. Oh, okay, okay. That's consistent across the sets. That's good. Oh, so his is the beetle thing that he puts in his his uh, thing to transform? Yes, that is the, 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 the ace spade card, which is change beetle. Each having a suit is going to be interesting because it's like, wait, how many riders are in Blade total? Four. Okay, so yeah, they each get a suit. Correct. Uh, the mon, uh, yeah, other than the riders themselves, the monsters of this one are actually felt very much like the Garonki to me. Yeah, they had a really nice. Uh, I feel like definitely angle. in the second episode where they start talking in in undead language. Yeah, Which, I, I mean they're weird. 
they're they're like weird monster people who seem motivated just by violence and also yeah then they start talking in a weird language that no one else knows in episode two so pretty referential on the grungy so far i'm glad we don't have translations again we don't need it <laughs> that's true i mean there could be translations and i just don't know about them but i mean I'm gonna go with no I, I wouldn't want them particularly because putting translations in, it's kind of ruins some of the mystique for me, I guess. That's fair. Because, like, we, we know that uh, our I mean, it friend... doesn't matter. Like, everybody dies in the first episode, so. Yeah, the, the fact that our board just gets just like, oh, here's all these characters. None of them are getting introduced. Is, is that going to be happening in the future? <laughs> no, they're just all going to die. Yeah, okay, so at the beginning of the show, they introduce that there's, like, an organization that Blade works for, um, and three characters from it will survive the next episode. Yeah, that's about right. The the lady... Uh, poss- possibly four, depending on where you think the chief is right now. Yeah, I, okay, I was counting the chief. Yeah, I guess I wasn't counting Blade himself. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, well, sure, you, you, I wasn't sure who you weren't counting, because you could have not been counting Gurren, because he's maybe betraying everybody. You could have been not counting the Chief, because he might be dead. <laughs> I mean, okay, my, yeah. my initial read on it is the Chief knows something about where uh, the undead are coming from, and he's got information, and possibly Bored was caused it. Uh, So, I, I don't... I'm assuming they're doing this intentionally, but I also wanted to bring up the fact that uh, uh, at least two of the four common writers that have been introduced so far, their name is related to the tarot suit that their playing card suit corresponds to. Uh, Spades is swords, so he's common writer blade, and Hearts is uh, is cups in tarot, so that's chalice. Oh, what are the other two? Um. Diamonds is coins, um, or pentacles, and so Gurren means crimson in Japanese, I believe, so that's not really related at all, other than diamonds are traditionally a red suit. And, uh, and clubs are, um, wands. I don't know what the last common writer is called. But. Uh, I don't even know how to correctly pronounce it to tell you, but, um, they, they definitely have a club. That would work. That's um, kind of a wand. Common Rider, Blade, what's the fourth writer called? Uh, uh, Lingle? 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 It's Lean, G-L-E. That's a hell of a name. <laughs> oh, so like each how- monster has like a suit? Just like how you just like don't believe me like I, I can i can read i can't pronounce but i can read i believe you i just need to read it so because that way it'll stick better i have a hard time putting it in my head unless i read it um okay lingle uh lingle is a aboriginal war club or bludgeon oh yeah see, so it just go. means it's just another language's word for club yeah so that one works <laughs> Uh, really, Gurren's just the odd one out. I mean, what's the translation for Gurren, specifically? Crimson. Uh, Gurren is crimson. In Japanese. Okay. 
I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure on that one. Um, here we go. The etymology of Gurren is mostly diverged or derived from the Japanese pronunciation of the word currency, tying in with the minor encounter oh. of the suit of diamonds, the suit of coins. Oh, oh that, shit. Okay, okay yeah. so it is related to currency, it's to coins in some way. Interesting. Thanks, Wiki. Cool. Um, um, I wonder if that's true. I'm gonna, I'm gonna check in on that later. Each tarot suit typically has an element associated with it, too. I don't know if they're gonna do that with these characters at all. Is, is diamonds fire? I bet it's fire. No. Clubs is fire, diamonds is earth, hearts is water, and spades is air. Oh. Um, well, it should be fire. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the three we've seen so far, um, Di- Diamond Guy has a gun, uh, Spades Guy has a sword, obviously, and Clubs and uh, Hearts Guy has a bow. So, uh, yeah, yeah. And one of them is cooler than the other two. <laughs> I, I can see Blade getting to be pretty neat. I don't know. I I, I think Gurren's just like a better looking Blade. Uh, and Chalice is just better. You just like guns more than swords, though. Then why am I choosing the bow over the gun? Well, yeah, but I'm blading. I mean, like it's a cool sword. I like the the sword more than the gun. I do. I like, do think his little sword thingy is actually looks a lot cooler when he fans out the card holder for it. it because does. then it looks like it's a. It looks like it's kind of like uh, the sword that has like the buckler integrated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a tonfa type thing or something. I'm just. I don't know. I I I get the feeling blade. He he kind of. With how weak he is comparatively in these first two episodes, like, I don't know, it's his visual design is okay, but I think that him being weak and getting beat on a lot kind of does a disservice to how cool he might be. This has been kind of a recurring problem I've noticed in a lot of Kamen Rider shows when they start off. Um, It's really unclear to me whether when a character is portrayed as a weak Kamen Rider whether it's supposed to be an aspect of the technology, an aspect of them, like, not having as much force of spirit or whatever, or, like, a lack of martial arts skill, or if it's supposed to be all three, or what. Like, they don't... They're so vague on Kamen Rider powers a lot of the time that I'm not sure what it's supposed to mean. I mean, I feel like for Blade, it is experience and possibly number of cards in possession. For, like... Like Kuga, it was it was totally a thing of, well, he just literally, like it hasn't integrated with his body. Yeah, the the Amadam just actually made him stronger over the course of the show. Like it physically changed him. And then Ryuki, I mean, I could see it as a combination of literally, it's just he, Wataru is a sweet baby boy that don't want to hurt nobody. Whoa, whoa, that that's Kiva, and you said Ryuki, and I'm confused. I did now. say. Kiva, and I meant Ryuki. Or I did say Ryuki. God fucking damn it. I meant Kiva. Yeah, Ryuki and Kiva kind of both have the same thing, where the main writer gets stronger as he gets more confidence. That's fair. I, I feel like Blade just has less experience, and I think I think they they implied that um, 
the the Gurren Rouse system was created before the Blade one. So that so Gurren would have been doing this longer than Blade. And possibly, in theory, might have sealed more monsters, therefore giving him access to more cards. We do see them use each use a special move in the confrontation with the first monster they fight. Uh, Blade loads up one card and uses Tackle, which is totally ineffective. And Gurren loads up two cards and just shoots the guy, and that seems to kill him. Though I, I, do, I did find it a bit funny. Um, there, the, the, the show opens up with uh, bored talking to our main character, Kenzaki, like, hey, you have to get here real quick to help fight. And it keeps cutting back to... Oh, God, what's his name? Gurin. Pounder Gurin. Yeah, it keeps cutting back to Gurin, and he's, like, getting his ass beat. Like, real bad. And then they show up, and it's like, oh, you can't do anything, Blade. You're not strong enough yet. And I'm just sitting there watching, like, well, you weren't doing too bad. You weren't doing... (laughs) doing too great yourself there bud yeah they clearly needed to use teamwork to beat this thing so uh also by beating it uh gurin shoots it in the chest it starts emitting green smoke and then he throws a patent apparently empty card at its chest the green smoke goes into the card the monster disappears and he like keeps the card apparently as a new move or something yeah Extremely oh, Pokemon. I, I am on the wiki. I could probably just tell you what it is. What was it? it was a category eight for diamond, right? I think. I think it was. I think I wrote it down. Uh that is the scope bat card. Oh yeah, he yeah. says a category eight. The guy says a category eight. And um it heightens the senses for accurate shooting attacks, and it has an AP cost of twelve hundred. <laughs> <gasps> oh, in it, case it you says, were wondering when he catches it it does say scope on it yeah it I, does say scope on the side I of it I hadn't realized that you could read it before so if they show us the cards clearly enough we could theoretically keep track of oh okay in the render it actually shows uh, it actually shows the MP cost of it huh. scope bat scope eight of diamonds uh, but like the description text it looks like a Yu-Gi-Oh field, just filled with so much text that it's totally illegible. Uh, also, I think it's just like H B D D F G. It's just like someone like just slammed their hand on a keyboard. <laughs> oh, very much so. They do kind of look like a, someone crossed a deck of playing cards with a with a set of dual monsters cards. Honestly, yeah, I could definitely see that because it's That's just kind of like I don't know. It, it's it's a mishmash. Each one has two sets and a two stats and a huge field of text and an illustration of a monster. And it looks like on the side it has like the the barcode for scanning into the Rouse system. Is it the Rouse? I thought it was the Rose system, so I didn't realize it was. Uh, I didn't realize it was Rouse. I pronounce it as Rouse. There's a Z in there. I guess that makes sense. Oh, actually, I might be wrong because. The Rouse cards are spelled with an S. Yeah, when they when they subtitle it, it's R O U Z E. So I was thinking it was supposed to be Rose, but Rouse would make just as much sense. Right. Maybe it's I one think of those I've... things where it's supposed to be both words kind of smushed together. That's true. I feel like 
Mm, I feel like I say Rouse because, like, at some point, some one of the belts says something, and I think that's how the, if the belt says it. But I could sense. be wrong. Um, so to transform or detransform, basically, like, each of them has a, uh, they have a belt, and the belt has, like, a, it, like, when it's loaded in properly, it's got, like, a card suit on it. But there's like a little, there's a little switch, like a pull switch that they can like pull on the side, and it like flips the card suit cover, and there's like a little slot in there where they can like load in the ace, and you remove the ace to detransform. So there's also one thing that I think never comes up in the show, but it comes up in the video games and like the toys and stuff, because like scanning the cards requires the use of points, and each card has a point value. So, like, there's AP in these cards, and, like, the AP is, like, subtracted from, like, the Rouse system thing. There's, like, an LCD screen oh, so to that's use the what, cards. That's what they were watching at the back, th- or at the back at base. They were watching card values and shit. Okay, and, and, number values. and Blade hasn't leveled up enough, which is why he can only use Tackle. No, Tackle's just the only card he has. But he fans out, like, a bunch of cards, though. Whenever no, he- that's just, um, that's just the holder. Oh. Or or most of them are blank. Hmm. Oh, okay. So are they turning the monsters into new move cards then? Yes. Yeah, because he gets kick at the end of the second episode. That's very video gamey. It's super video gamey. I kind of <laughs> dig it. Literally, Common Rider Slay the Spire. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, it's got like a handle. The handle flips the buckle, and then one side of the buckle has like a card slot. The other side of the buckle has like the suit. Uh, it's not, like, the best uh, Transformer thing we've seen so far, but I do feel like it's made up for by the belt, which when they de- when the characters put on a belt, they, like, s- they-, they grab their little buckle thing, slide a suit of cards out of it, like you're spreading out a deck for a magic trick, and it, like, turns into, like, a flowing stream of cards that flies through the air and wraps around them to, l- to put the belt on. Which is extremely cool. It's a very interesting. Uh, it's a very interesting transformation sequence. I like. There's that also the bit, and I feel like it's going to be reoccurring this entire season because they've done it two for two so far. But when um when you do the the turn up motion, which is pulling the belt from inserting the card to flipping it to the suit side, it projects like this energy field that then the person runs through to become the rider. Yeah, and it's like the what? What didn't they do that in like? Uh, I think it was called Time Force in America. Like some of the Power Rangers have done this, where they like project out a thing and then you run through the thing, and that's how. You oh, I think you're thinking of, um, fuck, fuck. I know it. I know it. It's the it's the rescue one. They throw out the shield and go through it. Um, Lightspeed Rescue. Yes, or... that one. Okay, yeah, I remembered it from one of those seasons. Uh, but in, in two for two episodes, Blade has used the nebulous uh, field of energy to either, like, attack the monster or, like, block attacks from the monster. Yeah, it's like a repulsive force field of some sort until it's, he runs through it. Seems like a very nice way to have, you know, just... It, it seems like it is actually designed, like, okay, so we've got these... It seems like someone actually, like, in-universe thought about this transformation like okay so these guys are going to be like somewhat defenseless for a couple seconds so we need something to make sure that they can get the time 
to actually transform. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, also, a, a bit of trivia for you. In uh, the CSM uh, Blade Rouser, it comes with a little tiny projector thing so you can project the, the blue thing on your wall. That's cute. That's extremely good. <laughs> um, CSN really goes above and beyond. Very cool. Very cool. Um, well, what was it? I think um, the Kuga one comes with like Ichijo's cell phone and it has a bunch of like sound. Cl- it does indeed come with Ichijo's cell phone and it's got voice lines in it. Because I have the Kuga CSN. It's real nice. And like the the Fize one uses like wireless technology with the um, ah fuck I think it's called the mission memory depending on where the mission memory is inserted in which piece of gear. Yeah, I can see that. <sighs> so that's I, that's kind of like what the common writers look like. Uh, so um oh yeah I guess we didn't really talk about this monster. He looks sort of like a. Like a bat, he's basically a bat monster. He's pretty similar to the other initial bat monsters you've seen, but his wings are a little better. Like uh, yeah. they're they're kind of like hanging down, but uh, from the wrists and shoulders of the costume. Uh, it reminds me of uh, fucking God, what's that? There's a there's a bat race in D and D that it makes me think of. I can't remember the name of them. I don't know the race you're talking about. Do they call them Chiropterans? That's a common one. No. Eh, it doesn't matter. But it's um, it's it's just visually something I can I have somewhat seen before. It, but, it doesn't look like the card, I can tell you that much. But uh I definitely was thinking another Kuga reference, start off with an early bat monster. This one's definitely dead though, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> He's oh, not gonna yeah, be it's... the main character of the show. I it's mean uh, maybe, but like I think he's definitely dead. Oh, uh, we should also talk about the intro theme song. Um, this is the first intro we've seen that I wasn't actually that impressed with, honestly. Yeah, it's it's fine, but I was like, eh. Don't worry, it's, we get it. We get a different one later. It's kind of just the the guy, the the suit actors and their writer costumes, like posing on an empty stage with lights shining on them. That's basically the whole thing. Their motorcycles are also there, but uh, it was. It was kind of interesting that it's like all the main characters got a chance. It's like, all right, we're going to have you on screen for a second. Do some little movement or something. Yeah, it starts with the four writers like in suits and before it transitions to them in their common like like business suits or formal suits before it transitions to them in common writer outfits. And like, that's kind of interesting, but they that is only for like 10 seconds or something before they're in Kamen Rider stuff. And it's just generic glamour shots of the Kamen Rider suits or whatever. That's fair. Yeah, I, I was a little unimpressed. I was surprised. I was like, mm, usually they, they put a lot of effort into these. Well, you, you get a different one later. Okay, well, I'll keep an eye out for it. We'll see how that one goes. It's going to be a little bit, but you get a different one later. Okay, so after they beat the bat guy in the cave, they meet a new character. A third character, uh, he is a writer who is looking to research what the common writers are. Apparently there's, like, urban legends about them and stuff. Uh, Oh, yeah, we should probably back up and explain kind of what happened there. Um, 
Because, like, the whole thing is just, like, it's it's following, like, these three threads of these, like, three people until they all meet up at the end, and then they fight the monster or whatever. Blade's on the motorcycle, like Chris said. Gurren's fighting the bat. And then this writer guy is Cliff jumping. Or Cliff not... Blazinski. Oh, no. You... <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he's cave diving. Yeah, cliff jumping. I said what I said. <laughs> he's spelunking. Whatever you he, want to call it. That's fair. Um, and then during like the fight, I do want to talk about that the first thing Blade does is he yeets his sword at a bat. <laughs> and that's a real strong first impression. It's a good one. Like, no, this, it's this... gone downhill from that point from Blade and fighting, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, like he gets one good hit off, and then it's like, no, he's just gonna get beat up a lot. He, for a, he does a bad while job in the first episode. I very much love him throwing his sword. It's a great, it's a great visual thing. It's a great introduction for him. I just wish it kept through instead of like. He should throw it more often. Yeah, look, cause... look. If I've learned one thing from Toei Spider-Man, is that you should throw your sword. You should. He literally can't do it super moves if he's not I, holding it. Though I was wondering, though, like I, I was fully expecting, with how the intro was going, I was fully expecting like Blade to come in and like win, because Gurin was effectively losing, and then it's like no. I guess he just wanted to show off to Blade. I, I think he needed, like, he needed someone to give him a second, because he's trying to melee fight a guy, and he's a gunfighter. He, he made a mistake. He, he made the mistake of choosing the wrong range to engage this monster at. I Fuck, suppose. I have a reference for this, but that it won't make sense, because it spoils something later on. So I'm going to have to somehow try to remember this later on. Uh, I think I, I was wrong. I, I said he shot the bat to kill it. He actually, like... He does, does a, a flaming, like, flip kick thing. Yeah, he lights his feet on fire and does, like, a jumping, like, a somersault kick thing. Yeah, the, Kicks the it first, in the chest. The first rider kick of the show is a real good one. Even it's if it's cool, not a yeah. traditional rider kick. I mean, it's definitely better than the tackle. Yeah. <laughs> the tackle is just blades sliding forward and missing. So man, it, oh it's man, just it's... making me think of the fucking shoulder tackle that the Crucible Knights do in Elden Ring. There's that too. I was there's a scene in episode two where like where he does it and a monster just jumps over it. It's just like this is a two D fighting game. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah, and like you you got to use a mix up, man, or you know you can't throw it out from that range. You're just gonna get punished. I mean, he kind of gets punished when it works out anyway. He does. He's bad at this whole martial arts thing. He is not the best. Which is uh, good. I like having our main character not be the best. Yeah, yeah. It it seems like he like he's got a lot going into his personality already that we're just expected to pick up on, which is a strange choice. It's, it's, apparently he's had a traumatic past where his parents died in a in a burning building or something. Seems like a fire. Yeah, uh, basically, like, his, uh, his co-worker asks him a little bit later, like, why are you a common writer? And at first he's like, well, I don't want to say for the money, but, you know, to save humanity and stuff. And I totally thought that he was just doing this as a jet, like, a day job for a little while there. I, I mean, would have, I think I might have actually... Like, if it had just been literally, no, man, it's it's for the paycheck, my man. 
<laughs> I, I would have been super into that, but it is revealed that he, like, his actual reason is because, like, his parents died in a fire, presumably caused by an undead or something. They haven't revealed it yet, but no. It seems pretty clear that that's where they're going with it. Look, like, like, superheroes deserve to be paid. They do? It is not a negative thing against Luke Cage that he expects to be paid for his services. No. No, it's, man, you get, man's gotta eat. Yeah. You have to eat to live, and, you know, people should pay for services. Even if that service is saving your life. We see a little bit of board. Uh, I, I really like how they make this, uh, make it look high-tech. Because basically they have the guy who is, he's Kamen Rider Blade. Oh, his... they do the spy movie thing. Yeah, he, like, walks into a totally normal building, and they kind of, like sort of half-heartedly CG some lasers onto stuff so that it looks like he's scanning secret stuff in order to get into a secret part of the building. Yeah, he he he, he scans a card at a statue, and then as he's going up the stairs, he puts his hand on the banister, and that scans his handprint. And then once he's up at the, quote, the, the presumable entrance, he has to get a retinal scan. From a image of the Virgin Mary, for some reason. But yeah, the the CG on it is not terribly convincing, so it's, it's definitely looks like they kind of added it in later on when they were like, we should make this place look more serious. It's good enough, I'd say. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. It just jumped out at me as like, ooh, secret. Comrider Blade gets back to his workplace. Uh, Gurin is yelling at his boss about apparently he doesn't, like, he, he's upset that his boss doesn't think he's competent enough to take on a monster on his own. Yeah, it was yep. like, hey, why, why were you... Yeah, that that was the point that I was like, man, you didn't seem to be doing that great on your own. I don't know why you're complaining. Um, but yeah, he's like, did you really think I would leave or lose? And the boss is just, well, it's I have to I have to plan for any eventuality, no matter how small. And it's like, yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, I'm really, really this people, guy's... It seems reasonable to send two people to deal with a deadly monster. Yeah, I mean, like... Uh, presumably, they only have two of these Rouse systems, so, like, you, we know you might so want to send the other one to keep the first one safe. Yeah, it seems like a reasonable strategy. I don't know what this... Uh, I think Tachibana is the guy who is Kamen Rider Gurren. I don't know yes. what his deal is. Well, there, there's obviously something going on there. There's there there's something going on with the Chief, and Tachibana has probably figured out something or other, or suspect something enough so that he doesn't i don't know if he actually betrays them but he is i mean he killed definitely a bunch of office workers <laughs> in episode two so did he i mean yes yeah. he, he assisted oh i mean I, I thought that it was i thought that he let the the alien facehugger eggs out the ones that turn into locusts i i thought it was clear that he like let them go yeah, but, like, the locust did the murder. If you let out deadly murder locusts, you have some culpability for the murders the locusts do. And technically, the deadly locusts is, are a monster that turn into one monster that is an undead, so presumably it has its own, like, higher intellect? Yeah, we don't really know anything about how the monsters in the show work yet. They haven't really gotten into that. I did not realize that that was Gurin down there that let uh, the quote that let the monster or let the hornets out. I thought that was just like some monster. 
I'm pretty sure that was him. I thought it was him. I'm still unsure if he, like, actively did anything to let them out, or if he was just standing there when it happened. Standing there not doing anything? Yeah. Okay, so after that, we cut back over to the writer Spelunker guy. He uh, gives us a little bit more information about Board. Apparently, they're an an anthropological research organization. And he drops the extremely tantalizing detail that they apparently believe that the domination of humanity over the Earth is due to more than our success in the evolutionary conflict. And has dedicated their research to uncovering what that element is. And that sounds super interesting to me. I definitely want to know what that's all about. It's, yeah, that, that sounds neat. That sounds to be like the trigger for like, oh, actually, there's a lot. There's there's actually evil going on here. Maybe. Or, uh, or they're getting into things that they shouldn't. Also, yeah. my hot take is I don't like this writer guy. The the writer? He's, yeah. He's okay, but something about him is just like, Oh yeah, I quit my job so I can write, and I'll, I'll, I'll pay my stuff when I'm big. And it's like, mm. but like he's not writing to make money; he's writing to write, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's he's like kind of the he's kind of the schlubby character for this show, right? Like we've had that recurring character. I, I just like don't find him like endearing in any way. I don't know. He's interested in a mystery that I'm also interested in. I don't know what his deal is, but I guess we're going to find out. I do think it's funny how his uh, his net niece gives him shit later. That's very funny. Uh, that is great, and I hope it continues. Yeah, his niece's <laughs> like, oh man, I don't think of you as highly as this random guy we picked up off the street six months ago. Yeah, this homeless man who moved into my uh, like empty room. I respect him way more than you. Which is yeah, like, yeah. uh, okay, damn, that's... Mm. Not only room. that, but my dad's dad's empty room. Uh, also, writer guy uh, is drinking milk constantly. I don't know if that's yeah. supposed to tell us something about his personality. Does that mean something in Japanese culture that I don't know about? I do not know. He's just drinking a lot of milk. I just, he, I just he, likes milk. he likes milk. I think that's literally it. I mean, I know lactose intolerance is much more common over there than it is over here, so... It's nice that he can drink milk, but, you know, I, I, I don't know what that means. I don't know if it means much of anything. <laughs> it's a weird detail. It might just be the character quirk they gave him, because even in the intro when he's shown his, oh, do the thing for your character is, I'm going to drink a bottle of milk. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. That's what he's doing in the intro. That is yeah, what he's true. doing in the intro is drinking a bottle of milk. Okay, so next we have, there's an amazing scene where Blade gets kicked out of his apartment because he hasn't been home for two months. Well, it it's not that he hasn't been home for two months. It's that, that he didn't pay his rent for two months. Yeah, yeah. He apparently told the landlady he was going to be away doing training for his comp- uh, business for two months. And she's like, well, I'm going to rent your room to someone else then. And now he's all mad about it. And then, like, he also brings up that, like... Before that, he had lodging at his work anyway, and decided to get a separate place. Uh, well, I don't, I think it may have been more like he was at the company's training camp for common writers, <laughs> so they, like, gave him a dorm room, 
So it wasn't like you don't have to keep leaving and coming back. You can just sit in the room and do your or you, you we have easy access to you so you can get the training in we don't have to potentially have you be going in and out of our secret base right potentially but revealing our secrets the specifics of that situation aren't that Im- aren't important yet but uh so yeah he he's getting kicked out of his apartment she sold the room to somebody else uh he he like follows her outside being like no please i won't have anywhere to live let me let me keep the room and uh she has like put on a leather fringe jacket and is about to motorcycle away <laughs> it's very good it's extremely yeah, she's cool pretty sweet i, I really like this one-off character uh, and he says uh when she like drives down the street he's like ah stupid old hag and she turns around and is like what did you just say to me <laughs> He's like, I said nothing! <laughs> Goodbye! Uh, very funny for a weird one-off character. I hope that she will come back or something. But... I could definitely see her coming back at some point. I'd be okay so, with it. So, the, uh, well, we should call him the author. Writer sounds too much like writer. I mean, he has, he has a name. When I remember it, I'll call him that. <laughs> the All author right. guy shows up and is like, hey... You don't have a place to stay. Uh, I'll give you a free room. And the blade is desperate enough that he's like, fine, I guess I don't really have any other options. Which is true. Yeah, because he can't really. Yeah. Uh, they sort of start setting up what they their tenuous dynamic is going to be. That he'll, like let uh he'll let blade that the author guy will let blade live in his house and uh, uh for he wants top to interview secret, him for this book for top secret information he can put in his book that he won't show anybody ever yeah he's, he's like trying. i won't publish any of the information you give me from interviewing you even though i'm apparently writing this book to make money which would mean i need to publish it i'm a little confused on what the plan is I, here i promise i won't say anything unless i get permission wink wink and then all the people he would have to get permission from happened to die. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. That'd be a twist if it was just him being the mastermind. Man, it's not gonna be, but that would be so cool. Um. So next we cut over to a guy standing in a room full of facehugger eggs and green lasers. And we're uh, pretty sure it's Tachibana, but okay. the jury's still out. I am now almost 100% certain it is Tachibana because he is wearing a tiny necklace with a square and a diamond on it. A tiny, it's a playing card shaped necklace with a diamond on it. This is Tachibana. Yeah, that would do it. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that is a really dark blue for Blade. It's not an indigo, I'll tell you that. No, it, it is not indigo, but I could see it both being black and or blue. It is a black blue. That's fair. Um, but yeah, the, then they cut to that scene and then just cut away with no dialogue, no explanation of what that was about. That was really weird. Hey, some of these things are coming out. Next oh, scene, yeah, yeah. The... they also show, yeah, one of the eggs cracks open and like tentacles and bees come out of it. Yeah. In the next scene, the writer's already telling his niece about how he's living with a common writer. Yes, I won't tell anybody about it. <laughs> hey, niece, I'm I'm 
staying with a hero of justice. Oh, you should let me come over so I can see the hero of justice. Don't worry, I'll let you come over and see him. It's super cool. All right, bud. Just breaking your promises right away, sure. Yep. Um, yeah. Uh, so his, his sister and niece seem nice. Yeah, they, they seem like nice They characters. seem like perfect victims to be threatened. <laughs> Which uh, his niece will be in the next episode. She'll be imperiled very, very next episode to establish danger. Look, it's how we're going to teach the undead to learn love. Didn't, in the Zeo episode, didn't they come back to this cafe? I could have sworn in the Blade Zeo episode they visited this cafe. I believe they do, yeah. Uh, so they still have the set available or something. Yeah. It's a good cafe. I like the cafe for this season. It's very rustic. Yeah, it's, it's nice. It's kind of like a log cabin The show so far has had much less of like a, a city feeling than any of the other Kamen Rider shows yeah. have. Yeah. I mean, other than, like, even uh, the building for Board, it feels more like a, uh, like, the like county office. Like, hidden in the countryside, kind yeah, of. Like, the, the, the county office. Like, it's not, it feels mo- much more rural than any of the other Chrono Riders have. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if they're going to play into that at all, or if that's just, like, a choice they made to not shoot as many establishing city shots as in the other shows, but interesting we're just, detail. We're just gonna get information later that's like, no, actually they're in a major city. I'm like, what? Okay, sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, halfway through the scene with the uh, author guy and his family, uh, the guy who will be revealed to be Common Rider Chalice walks in and uh, just starts talking to them. I thought this was Blade at first because I did too. Like, I am I, I am semi face blind and was just very confused about what was happening. No, it it is not just you. Something about the writers in this, at least for me, so far has been they all look very similar and like I don't even mean <laughs> it in the, like they're all Japanese. It's like no. I am having, tr- normally I don't have this much trouble, and I am having significant trouble telling our writers apart so far. I mean, the guy playing Tachibana is clearly a little older, but only, like, a little bit. Slightly. I mean, the Tachibana is guy... probably, like, the only one I can tell the difference. Like, Chalice and Blade do look alike. They look pretty similar, yeah. Kind of just, like, in, like, they're very close in, in like, skin tone, and, like, their hair colors are just, like a shade or two off from each other. And it's especially confusing because then he they're talking about him like having a room there, and I'm like, wait a minute, I thought that Blade was getting a room back at the house. Now there's a house at the now he's getting a room at the cafe. But no, it's just the same situation for two different characters that are played by actors that look very similar. <laughs> so uh, it's it's, yeah. it's a weird situation. After Chalice goes into his uh rented room he kind of, like, stumbles around this room for a while and has unpleasant flashbacks, apparently. It's not super clear what's going on. He just kind of, like, walks around slowly and bangs into stuff. It's we're, we, There are flashes of things happening, but it's never really... Exp- we don't ever see enough to let us know what it actually is flashes of. I'm assuming he killed the author's brother. Like, right? Like, that would make the most sense, right? That would make the most narrative sense. Yeah. 
then he became aware somehow. Yeah, he like dashes into the dark room and drops the uh, drops his ace card, so we know that this guy is also a common writer. Yep. Uh, the, the the author's brother was a photographer. They established that during this scene, by the way. Yeah, he was like a he was a professional photographer, so That's he's true. got a lot of photo stuff lying around. Which, like, I feel like there's a joke where I could just be like, they really did just take this and be like, this is Sukasa. <laughs> little bit yeah oh maybe this is the, the this universe's version of Sukasa. he got murdered <laughs> totally see that unfortunately that's not what happens i happen to know that one okay so next we go back over to blade who is in the farmhouse uh he is having a nightmare about his parents being dead in a fire or something it's super unclear. He looks extremely sweaty. He's very upset. Having that weird thing of like, I was a child and my parents died in a fire and I couldn't do anything because I was a child. So it's obviously my fault that they're dead. I, I Yeah, he's got survivor's guilt or something. Presumably they'll establish what's going on with him later. I mean, yeah, I yeah. hope so. Just haven't gone to him yet. But, um, okay, so he gets a fo- he gets a phone call. Uh, from one of the, like, lab techs at board that is like, uh, we're all being killed by horrible bees, please come help. Well, it, it, it it's actually, it's, it's, uh, Hirose, the, the one that lives. Yes. The, <laughs> and also possibly my favorite non-writer character in the show. Man, I don't know, I, I am not a fan so far, because it seems like she has been here to be damseled so far. But, like... It's, it is only two episodes in. I do not know if that will I, stick. I, I, su- I suppose that's fair, but I like in the first episode, she everybody was damseled at board. They were and like and like Blade specifically just like leaves her to die when he goes fights the monster. <laughs> Which so that, like Blade did a good job that did a bad job of projecting her. That was yeah, very uh, funny. He he does he he runs into the board office. He like drives his motorcycle there, runs into the board office. And, like, fucking everything's broken. There's dead bodies everywhere. He searches through a bunch of rooms until he, like, opens a closet and finds her. Shakes a dead body going, what (laughs) happened? What's going on? And she's like, uh, we were all attacked by horrible monsters. Uh, it was really fucked up. And he starts shaking her. (laughs) I'm like, dude, stop it. Like, if if this show was made now, she'd definitely be our female writer for the season. (laughs) She would be. She's clearly severely injured, and he's just like, tell me what happened! Like, she's she's injured, bud. She'll have to. No, but I have to know. It's important. Well, well, because she's like, hey, I think uh, I think your best friend Tachibana betrayed us all. And he's like, what? No, that's impossible. Yeah, she's like, he was having an argument with the CEO about job performance or something, so I think he murdered everyone. I've been friends with him for three months. Three more months, and we would have been family! It can't have been him! Um, yeah, so I don't know what's going on with that. Uh, he, the main character seems really, really emotionally attached to Tachibana. Well, I, I could see it as, like, this is just me spitballing, but it's like, he joins this going on the thing of like, oh, it's just a job, saying everything, but no, it's literally, he wants to be able to save people, and then he meets this super cool senior 
who is able to fight really well, and he seems to respect him a lot. And it's just spend three months becoming this guy's friend. I, I guess he probably was, like, working under this guy for a lot of that time, since he's the only other common writer they've got. You know, I know this is slightly off topic, but how do you think the posting for this job would go? <laughs> um... Like, like, it, do you put it out there, or, like, do you It would start... probably be, like, opportunities for advancement. Make your own hours. Uh, as far as you go with this job is based on your dedication. You know, all that sort of shit. I, I could see them doing a thing where they just, like, put out a really generic thing, or, like, go to a work, like, a work service thing, because part... At th- if I am remembering correctly, at this point in time in Japan... Like, people were able to, like, you could go to a work office, and they would have the postings for jobs of that day, plus possible long-term ones, and you would just go show up somewhere and just work. So I could see them putting out a really generic, oh, we're looking for people, and then they find, (laughs) they do some tests to find who has compatibility with the system. And then they pay people for their time. Like, all right, sorry, but you, we won't need you again. It's like a tip to hire thing. They're like, you're going to be in training for a few months, and if you do well enough, you'll be hired on for a permanent contract. Uh, customer service experience is uh, strongly recommended. Uh, you will be helping people not die. <laughs> Coroner's experience is worth is extra help. Maybe Martial arts experience a plus. Yes. Uh, must be able to lift 50 pounds regularly. Um, a knowledge of swords preferable. Oh, yeah. That that would be uh, cutlery experience. Job posting, <laughs> <anyway>. <laughs> must be trained with knives. Uh, okay, so, so he... The, the main character guy runs out of the building and uh, is attacked by the swarm of locusts that turn into a... Um, this monster looks a whole lot like the Kamen Rider Shen design. That's yeah, that it movie. does. Uh, which I, th- I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, it, I mean, it's clearly... It's supposed to be a, like locusts, so grasshoppers, so... He is basically the same... He's made, modeled after the same animal that Kamen Rider is. And isn't he the one that gives the kick card, too? It all falls together. Oh, shit. Yeah, I guess you're right. But yeah, so... But he's he's got the the Dracula thing where he turns from a swarm of animals into a solid animal. Pretty cool. Uh, The main character's blade's transformation sequence is also very cool. I I really like it. Yeah, Yeah, it is the time uh, we get to see the full... We get, get like, the clean henchin shot for the season. uh, He he puts out... this fucking fighting game is reference. Put out some, puts out an Aegis reflector and runs through it. It's real <laughs> good. Um. So while he's in the middle of fighting this uh this locust guy, he sees Tachibana just standing over near like a wall of the building and watching him. And he gets really mad at him. Starts like, "Hey, weren't we friends and stuff? What what's going on? You aren't helping me." And uh, the episode just kind of ends there, because Intachibana is just standing there not doing anything. Yeah, and then he kind of just leaves. Yeah. (laughs) 
so that was all the first episode. It's a lot for a first episode. Yeah, it, 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 there is a lot going on. Definitely. There's like there is no time for exposition. We are going with the plot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they probably need to tell us more about what is going on, but uh, I'm hoping they'll get to that. I'm certain they will at some point. Yeah, I mean, we're that's... already getting exposition in the second episode. That's true. Yeah. Uh, so when the second episode starts, it continues his fight with the uh, grasshopper monster. Um, he tries to do his tackle move thing again. It doesn't work very well. Uh, so eventually the monster, like, grows big super grasshopper legs and, like, jumps into him. I guess he manages to stab it or something while it's doing that? I, yeah, not... I don't get this. So, like, so like Blade does the tackle. Locust jumps over the tackle. Locust grows wings and tackles Blade into a wall. Locust falls and dies. <laughs> yeah, he tackles him into a wall. The, like, concrete's all smashed up. Blade is super fucked up. Then the locust just falls down and dies. So. I mean, locusts don't have a very long lifespan. Anyway. I was okay. I was actually about to bring that up. Is it would be extremely funny if this is just a locusts only live for like a day thing. <laughs> I can totally see it. Maybe uh, he gets sealed away. Uh, he's a category five, so uh, blades blades real bad at his job. I mean, yeah. it definitely he, he seems Pokemon like cards we... him into uh, so he has a new move now. We learned Which, that he's only, like, been at this for three months. It's true. Yeah, he's a pretty new superhero. Admittedly, we, we all then also have Kuga, who was able to, like, be fighting off Garangi almost instantly. So maybe he's just and, bad And, like, in a general. subpar, like, writer form that wasn't even a real one yet. <laughs> I mean, you, you can't compete with Comrade Kuga. He's the best. He's a new legend. I mean, that's true can't but i'm gonna compare him anyway because that's how we that's how humans do things that's true you know i'm just realizing something a crucial element missing from the first episode there was a bat monster that not once not a single time never hung upside down from anything oh, that's true <laughs> how in the world am i supposed to know if it's a bat or not well, this was pre-Kiva time, so that's why. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, okay, so so after th after that monster gets either beaten or just dies randomly, I'm just yeah. gonna go with dies randomly. <laughs> yeah, I I choose that one too. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it that's pretty funny if that's supposed to be what happens. Like, it's it was hundred percent just... a failed upward situation. It's, uh, Blade, your fighting style is cringe. It's killed me. <laughs> Did I win? No, I died from the cringe. Okay, so he, he goes back in. Um, what did you say the uh, the researcher's name was, Gary? Uh, Hirose. Hirose? Yeah, he, he sits down with Hirose. They watch a security video of Tachibana apparently, like, attacking the chief. Or Look, he, he or like, gut punches the director and then just, like, takes him out. Yeah, as he, in like takes his body out. Yeah, not... walks out of the building holding him. And I do, I do, I understand why they jumped to the conclusion of, oh, that means he's the traitor. But then it's also like, well, no, you don't, you don't know that. All you saw was him take the chief away. You don't have any like visual evidence of him calling the locusts, even though we, we yeah. as viewers know he did. 
I mean, Blake brings up that here, I, I wasn't even sure if he was totally convinced that Tachibana was a traitor or not, because he brings up, like, wait a minute, I don't know anything about what Borg does. You, you've been working here longer than me. Explain to me what the fuck this organization does. No, I don't, I don't know either. And she just doesn't, she doesn't even respond, she doesn't try to deny it, doesn't try to deflect it, so... I mean, she's probably just like, this dumb idiot... <laughs> I mean, it does seem pretty relevant to what they're actually doing for I, why I, I, I picture them. I picture that Blade was, like, in his orientation where they were explaining all the super secret board <laughs> stuff, and he just fell asleep. And he was playing Minesweeper or something. Yeah. He's, he is the only... The, the orient... Well, the orientation of one person, because I assume they would only tell them about, like, oh, yeah, you're going to be fighting these monsters after they've been accepted. So it's just... I, I'm just got this visual image of just blade in a room asleep and the teacher just like well whatever fuck i'm i'm getting paid i don't give a shit yeah it's like that or like fuck I, my mind is just going back to peacemaker because i guess i watched it easily we're just like they're all sitting in just like the the briefing room and no one's paying attention <laughs> man or i guess that was in suicide squad actually peacemaker but was really good i just yeah i just watched that show too i really enjoyed that show i need to finish it but like i've i've really enjoyed what i've watched of it it's yeah, it's crazy good, man. Um, fucking, I love his dad. It's like just the superhero version of the Grand Dragon, and he just uh is the fucking worst guy in the world. Uh, good touch. Also, like one of the greatest openings of our time. I'm sorry, what Evan? That's the one with John Cena, right? Um, Peacemaker. Yes. 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 Okay, yeah. I, I have heard that he does a fantastic job in that show. Yeah, yeah, it, he really does. Um, yeah, it, like Cena's range isn't like incredibly big, but it's very good at conveying this character that he's doing in the show. Deep, I mean, it, it plays to the strengths of being a professional wrestler. Yeah. yeah, the yeah James Gunn clearly knew exactly how to use him, and like it. Yeah, they created a very good show. I really yeah, enjoyed it. I recommend have, it to everybody. I have seen a couple clip compilations on YouTube of, like, Peacemaker and Vigilante being bros. I'm like, <laughs> I should really watch this show. I, I feel like the like the litmus test for that is just watch the opening and you'll know if you'll like it. Yeah, the opening's really fun. <laughs> it is kind of... Uh, the, the Vigilante thing is kind of weird because... um. If you know Vigilante from the comics, he's world's worst district attorney, Adrian Chase, and he's just the worst person ever. I, I so feel obnoxious. like I feel like you just did like a if you knew if you know Vigilante from Tighten Up the Defense, he is. <laughs> like I don't think you really okay, did yeah. the comics version of that. Okay, to be fair, yes, I had run into him like once in a comic before, and was like, "Well, this guy's super uninteresting and unrememberable," but yeah. <laughs> In Tighten Up the Defense, Hub does always call him the world's worst district attorney, Adrian Chase. <laughs> but it's like a totally different character in Peacemaker. Yeah, no, the, yeah. the one I see in the show is like, he's just, he's shitty Batman and he has regeneration. Uh, you don't think he has any powers, he's just very tough. I thought he had like some sort of low-level regeneration, which is why he's able to like survive the shit he does. Because, oh no, yeah, because I can see, I can remember people, I don't know if it's just them being lazy, but in between scenes, like, you'll see him get, like, scratches and shit, and then in world, just a couple minutes, or a little bit later, he'll have healed those scratches. 
I mean, it's the DC universe. Like, low-level regeneration is just such a minor nothing of a power that he could have it and no one ever brings it up. Oh, yeah, no, it's like, that's that's entirely what I think it is. It's like, he has just this minor regeneration, and it's not good enough. Yeah, he, like, used a, he, like, misapplied toothpaste one day, and he has, like, a baby version of the Wolverine power. I could see that. Uh, I'm joking, like... but that's, like, not that far off from what the Flash's origin story is. There's, like, eight different vigilantes. I tried to Google this. It's a pretty generic name. Uh, But, uh, according to his powers and abilities, one of his powers is that he's a master of the lasso. <laughs> Oh, like Slipknot from the first terrible Suicide Squad movie? I don't know. How are we ever going to accomplish this mission without the mastery of rope? I mean, rope's one of the most, like, broken items, so... Yeah, that's why you have to have a mastery of rope, or else, you know, you're clearly not going to get anywhere. You know what? You're talking down rope, but, uh... That's it's fucking true. just like that's just it's Jolene's true. I whole do not thing. Respect, I do not respect his rope powers. There is a reason thirty feet of rope is standard equipment for adventurers' kits. Yeah, like like look, like Jolene's power is just rope. Well, yeah, but um You know okay, what have you seen the first bad suicide squad movie? No. Um, and like and like Joseph's stand is just rope. That guy, his power is established as mastery of rope. I don't remember him literally ever using a rope to do anything in the movie. Well, I mean, that's probably just... just more an effect of the first Suicide Squad movie being abjectly shitty than anything yeah, that's, else. Yeah, that is true, yes. Wait, wait, there's a vigilante in the Arrow show? When did that fucking happen? You know what else is bad? The fucking Flash show. I really tried to enjoy the Arrow show. I like Green Arrow. I like the Flash, but I could not get into those shows. It's because it's done by the CW, who tries we to can... make it realistic and shitty. Yeah, that that was certainly the feeling I got. Um, I disagree with this, but I'm gonna let it go. <laughs> uh, okay. So anyway, uh, Hirose moves into the farmhouse with uh the author guy and Blade. Um, she apparently just took a lot of the research materials from the facility and just loads them up into her room. There is a lot of, like, this is why I like her in this scene. Like, she stole a bunch of shit, and she thinks the writer's a pervert. And, like, I agree with both of these takes. She she didn't she didn't take it from, if I remember it correctly, she didn't take it from the building. No, she it's from a truck! Yeah, she just found a truck owned by Board and just stole it from that. And she's like, I, I'm a researcher there, it's fine. I work there. Like, yeah, I work for them. I can have this stuff. Thank you. Okay, so there's that. Uh, then the writer goes out to sit with Blade, and Blade launches into this monologue about how he's been tr- betrayed hundreds or thousands of times, but he still trusts people. And I'm like, this is a lot for the second episode of this character. I, well, and then the writer's like, well, I'd rather have the first one than the second. Yeah, and, I'd rather know someone who's been betrayed a thousand times than someone who's betrayed a thousand people. Which, And yeah, then I Blades, that. Blades just like, that's weird. And the writer guy's like, well, you're not normal either. <laughs> um, Hiroshi yells out the window at them. She's like, hey, there's uh, Undead. Um, Blade, you need to go deal with that. 
Uh, he acts angsty about it at first, but she, like, yells at him more until he decides to go do it. Just I mean, she does, like, slap him, him immediately. Oh, yeah, she does slap. She slaps him. I forgot about that. She's like, hey, go do your fucking job. I know the I know the company that we've been part of is was pretty much well at least that love side of it was destroyed. But go do your job. Go do your job. Go save some people. Don't you care about saving people? Now, now hold on. She also has a line when she's loading up her room where she says, uh, "Board got back on its feet within a few days." I don't know what the fuck that means. Um, is Board a big enough organization where a branch being destroyed is not even a big deal for them? Apparently. Maybe. That's certainly what it sounds like, but we don't see any more Board stuff for the rest of this episode, so we'll have to wait until next time, I guess, to find out what the heck that's about. Definitely does feel like Board is just... Well, she even says, like, it feels like something else is at play here, and I'm sitting there watching going, No, Really? Yeah, maybe the zombies or something? I don't maybe know. Maybe Bored is actually the bad guys? It certainly seems like they might be. Um I, I don't think Bored's the bad guys, but I maybe mean, they clearly don't have totally like uh altruistic motives though. Well, it's... if if not the bad guys, then maybe they were the ones that accidentally kicked all this off. They were at least holding a room of deadly wasp monsters without very good security. We're not sure that that was inside board. I thought that was just, like, in the sewers somewhere. Oh, yeah, I guess that's true. I hadn't thought of that. I was assuming it was in the building. I did not assume that that was in their basement. Yeah, maybe. There was a bunch of lasers in the room, so I was just like, I guess it's in a science facility or something. Just because they have, like heavy metal grade like lighting equipment doesn't mean it's in the basement of board they're ambiance lasers they don't mean anything so, you know when when the mama and dad of locusts were putting their babies down they're like you know what they need mood lighting Gentle they were lasers they were watching alien beforehand or aliens yeah so no, um it. From from the last scene, we cut over to Chalice. He is cleaning camera equipment, and he hears uh, the writer's si- uh, sister-in-law um, get being told that her daughter is at an observatory and endangered by a weird monster. So yeah, he it, takes off to handle that situation. It seems to imply, like, the general public knows that the undead are a thing? It would be hard not to. They're not being very secret. Yeah, but it's like, it it feels like, no, we're supposed to keep it secret. And then it's like, no, but they actually know. But then people are suspecting about the common Riders. So I yeah. guess these monsters, they, they people just know that the monsters disappear after a while or are defeated somehow, but they don't know what's actually going on. This is a weird ambiguity in a lot of common Rider stuff. Yeah. That's true. Um, this monster I really like. Uh, he's basically a rose bush. He's just like a cool plant monster. He's got a cool design. Yeah, like his left arm is like has a bunch of has like a knot of uh, thorn vines hanging off of it that he like rips and smacks people with. He can just grow vines and grab people. Yeah, and he he shoots vines at a lot of people. It's just Tokusatsu poison ivy. Yeah, I very, mean, like, very remission of that one boss from Mega Man X Five. 
Oh yeah, that's true. I was gonna reference some Castlevania monster somewhere. Oh, the all, all rooms, I think. Yeah, probably. Really, just like just like plant monster and powers, kind of underrated. No, they're good. Plant monster power, yeah. good. Roses are always a cool, cool power. Yeah. Uh, he's actually an orchid undead. Excuse me. Okay, well he's got spikes, so I assume rose, but whatever. I mean that's fair, but like there's no red in the design to to like to have the he's rose. He's got red there. all over his arm. I guess it's not on a flower, but I saw yeah. red and green. And I, I mean, I guess. Okay, but anyway, so Chalice shows up. Uh, he he starts fighting the rose guy. And talking oh, I guess, to him. Yeah, Blade also was fighting him, but he was doing a bad job and got knocked yeah. down. Like Blade gets there, like uh, the and then like the knee starts to run away, and the monster just chooses to try to strangle Blade instead. It's not even that Blade tried to protect her, really. No. And he's like, oh no, I'm being choked. Let me put my card in my belt and then, you know, use the, the holographic thing to so I don't die. Yeah, I'm like, you probably should have transformed before you got there, bro. Yeah, hot take. They're definitely going to use the whole thing of, oh, we actually have to transform and take the time to transform. They're going to definitely use that as a shtick at some point. They've already used it multiple times per episode. Maybe do it before you're being strangled they have, by deadly well, thorns. I, I'm talking about like him being knocked out of it because he's had trouble transforming, but he's always been able to transform. That's true. Yeah. Okay, so so when Chalice is fighting the Rose guy, he like swipes. Uh, he like destroys a concrete pillar and then sprays concrete fragments everywhere. And like some of them are gonna hit the niece, but uh, Chalice jumps in front of him. He like uh, he takes like a physical injury and starts bleeding green onto the snow. This is how and, we discover we know that he is from, not human. We know from decade that means he's an undead. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Also, uh, like the niece, like when like Chalice saves her originally, she's just like, "I'm gonna follow this and watch this fight." Yo, this is dope. Yeah. Which like fair, but. Uh, he gives he gives uh, the mom back her kid, and uh, after detransforming, and is like, "Hey, I found this child. Do you want this child?" <laughs> and like Blade and the writer like look like suspiciously at him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we get to see a little bit of the backstory of the uh, the cafe owner and Chalice. Um, just when they met him, apparently he was standing in the rain and was super sad and needed a room. So it's like, he hey, looked I... sad, really good. So they gave him a room. I wasn't gonna give him a room, but he just looked so sad. It's like, lady, I bet you took in puppies. <laughs> puppies are cute. Okay, I mean... so they, there's a bunch of that. Um, then we go back. Uh, we we see uh, we see Chal- we see the guy who was Chalice. I don't know who his human name is yet. But he's, like, sitting in his room and he's still bleeding green goo out of his arm. As you do. Apparently yeah. his whole thing is going to be about, like, them being kind of his surrogate family. He has some internal monologuing about that. Yeah, it's the, him, they're, this is the point where uh, the, the niece is like, Oh, uncle, I think better of Hajime than you. He's like family now. And he's... Hajime's just in the uh, room and like family triggers traumatic the word family triggers traumatic <laughs> thoughts for him yeah 
Oh yeah, his name's his name's Hajime too, which is uh, yeah. That that that's real rough when I'm playing Danganronpa two right now. Too many characters named Hajime. I mean, it's a popular name, I guess. Um. Oh man, I have like Danganronpa spoilers to complain about at some point too. <laughs> uh, okay. So um, we go back over to Blade running into the monster, the plant monster again, fighting him again, doing a slightly better job, but still bad. It's it does seem like there was actual growth from Blade, although that may just be he fought the enemy before, so he knows a bit more now. Uh, also, Chalice do, do, shows do you know why Blade is bad at fighting? Because he loses his sword as quickly as possible every time. <laughs> he does keep dropping it or something, and I'm like, you need that, buddy. Yeah, it's... God, I forget what media property it was, but I can distinctly remember some media property where there's a sword character who's like, no, a swordsman never lets go of his sword, no matter what, even if he dies. And (laughs) there was a big thing made out of it, and it's just like, oh yeah, no, Blade... Well, I mean, I guess that means that Blade's not a swordsman. It's just a weapon that he has. That is true. Like, I wonder how that works. Do you think, like... Does, like, does, like, the card... Does, like, the card dictate what what weapon you get? Or, like, because, like, wouldn't you just choose, like, a gun every time? I assume it's related to... Probably each Rose Rouse system has a different, uh... Weapon associated with it, I'm guessing. That would be my thought. And, like, it even gets more confusing, because... Technically, Chalices isn't even a Rise system. Oh, it isn't? Oh, well, that's weird. No, it's... Maybe the Rose Browse system is Maybe, just imitating I don't know. something that the undead yeah. can do naturally, though? Yeah, because it does seem like each of the undead has a weird biological belt that they have, and mm-hmm. when when they are weak to being captured, the belt opens. Because yeah. the 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 Chalice Rouser, which I it's still called a Rouser for some reason, but... um. It has a vertical slot that you like. He just scans his card through. I think he actually he actually does it because that's the part that he takes off and puts on the bow, and then he scans the card through it to activate that. Yeah, he yeah he scans the card. Yeah, after he loads his belt thingy into the bow, he scans the card into it, and then shoots the guy, uh, and then he um, he does he like flips a card out of his belt holster. Like he's doing a quick draw thing. He like he's so fucking cool. It's it's pretty pretty cool, honestly. As silly as it is, but yeah, he flips the card at the monster from his belt and uh, captures him. And it goes slow mo because of course it does. Gets it was film grainy. The early two thousands. Comrade Blade is like, hey, um, are you on my side? Then Chalice starts attacking him. So no. No, everybody is my enemy. Oh, oh yeah, I forgot he said everyone is my enemy. I'm like, and I'm just sitting there going, okay, so that tells me that no, that what that says to me is had comrades at one point, comrades either betrayed him or were betrayed and died. And so everyone now, betrayed me. I fed up with this world. Yeah, and so he's like, no. Oh, no. hi, Muck. <laughs> everybody. Well, I mean, died. like, I mean, I guess that probably true because like he he undead killing other undead yeah maybe okay so from there um blade takes a phone call and the last scene of the episode is uh ichi ichinose ichi joe ichinose i think he said her name was yeah uh, uh, 
Hirose? Hirose. Hirose. Yeah, Hirose calling him on the phone and being like, I think I found a thing. And she's set up a hologram projector attached to her computer that is projecting an image of the chief's unconscious body into yeah, she, the room. She was like, I found his brain waves, but I don't. This is one of the things that's. I'm. I need to see more of her because her reaction to find. Like, she has information that he's alive. Okay, good. Her reaction is as if the fact that she found him and as he is alive is just too much for her to handle and she doesn't understand what's going on. Oh, I mean, no. I, Please I feel like help she's me. also like, there's this thing projecting in my room. I'm not I, quite sure how that happened. Yeah, but she's I, I was definitely a- reading her reaction as being like, what? <laughs> this hologram projecting a semi comatose man into my room is unexpected. And I'm like, my lady, you had to set it up, right? Yeah, she like, was. <laughs> She talks specifically about how, like, I have this projector set up, and I found him, and then I I guess the projector is able to, like, determine it shows, like, this person, so you can say, like, oh, they're dead, or, oh, they're injured. I don't know. Just her reaction bothered me. I suppose that's fair. It didn't bother me, but it definitely did struck me as weird. It's it, it bothered me in the sense that I was sitting there thinking of our female lead in Kuga, and how she was always on top of shit and may have gotten, like, anxious and worried about stuff, but didn't sit there and weep and cry. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I guess we'll find out where they're going with this, but, you know, yeah. Oh, also, the the, the plan undead is, is the Seven of Hearts, and it's the bio card. Bio? Okay. Bio. That's uh, that's pretty much the first two episodes yeah. of Blade, which is that is the episode overall. It was a lot. Overall, I think a good intro. I did like them a lot. Yeah, it was a very different approach to introducing this common writer than the other shows we've seen. Yeah, it 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 they didn't like ease us into the world. They're just like we're going. Uh, I guess at least I guess decade is the other closest one we've watched that had a cold open. But in Decade, they acted like the situation they were in was unusual, and in this, the characters are not. Are just like, no, this is just what our world is like. Yeah, it's most That's of true. the other ones I've seen, it's been like, we, we actually take a moment to like, alright, introduce the characters, and introduce the conflict, and okay, don't go too fast, because we don't want our viewers to I get I think this confused. is the first show where we don't start with the, the main character getting his writer powers. He already has them when we meet him. Yeah, I guess, like, we're starting where our main character is not a point-of-view character being brought into the world. They're already established. Right, yeah. So that's different. That's a very different approach than the other writer shows you see. I, I guess Kiva already had his powers when we met him. Yeah, but, but he didn't know about them. Or he, yeah, he, he was kind of not very good with them. Yeah, it was like a thing he'd inherited that he didn't know anything about at the beginning of that show. I'm I'm interested. I'm looking forward to the rest of Blade so far. We'll see yeah, if that um, changes. I want to see more episodes. I want to know where they're going with this. Interesting choice for uh, it's a strong statement for an opening two episodes. So, um, they got me so far. I concur. Well, I gotta get going. So let's wrap it up here. Nope, I have to somehow. Uh... Uh, Lengthen this as much as possible. 
Okay, well, you've got about two minutes before I hit the stop button on my So that's two minutes I get to talk about Morbius. No. No. Um, (laughs) Why do you do this to me? No, you know what? Talk about instead the new Sonic movie. It's gotten like 60% on Rotten Tomatoes. I haven't seen it yet, and I thought the first one was endearing and good, so this one's probably also fine. Yeah, no, I think it got 60-some percent from critics, and then audience is 99%. Dope. I'd go see it. I probably will at some point. I liked the first one. That was like the first movie I saw before the world went to hell. It was the more last so than movie normal. I saw before COVID and is like, no more. Yeah, same. Uh, anyway, uh, we're a podcast on the internet, com. There's links to all of the things. Um, there's Twitters, there's emails, all sorts of cool, cool stuff. Cool engagement stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, we'll be back next time with something. Probably more Spider-Man. Yeah, there's the, there's the Spider-Mans. We'll most likely be doing those two at a time now because, man, those Showa-era shows are a different breed. Yeah, there wasn't much in the second episode. I watched uh, Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah the other day, but we didn't actually have time to record that one, so that'll be a fun episode. Yeah. It features a kaiju negotiation scene, which is really fun. That sounds pretty good. Showa Godzilla is something special. But uh, yeah, everybody watch out for clubs and, um, you know, have a nice weekend. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, until next time, we're just uh, passing through podcast. Remember that. Good night. I guess you can click stop now. <laughs>